right. Pressbox Banter is the Daily Iowans weekly sports podcast. On this episode, hosts give their takes on the new offensive football coordinator, Caitlin Clark's impending record break, and the Super Bowl. Plus, they were joined by women's wrestlers Ella Schmidt and Kylie Welker. They talk about inspiring the next generation of women's wrestlers, their walk-on songs, and combating stigma in the sport. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Press Box Banter. I'm Kenna, the sports editor. Brad Schultz, sports reporter. And Matt McGowan, fellow sports reporter. Uh, We're going to start off today talking about Tim Lester, the new offensive coordinator. He had his introductory press conference today. Um, And my initial thoughts, I was impressed with him. Um, And I think Iowa fans do have a lot to be excited about. I don't know if things will happen right away, but I definitely um, heard some encouraging things. Matt went with me too, so. Yeah, I mean, his opening remarks, uh, he preached physicality, aggressiveness, and discipline. I mean, I think the word aggressiveness, that's very, um, that gets Iowa fans excited, albeit he did maintain that obviously it's not going to be some air raid aggressiveness. It's going to be more like stuff stuff he learned in Green Bay, um, running Cal Shanahan system, being like, hey, we're going to be aggressive with what we're good at, which for Iowa is going to be running the ball, which to hopefully, by effectively running the ball, would open up open up passing routes and hope for timely gains. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's got a mindset of, I mean, obviously when he talked with, when he, when he and Ferentz spoke with Gary Dolphin uh, earlier in the week on Friday or th- earlier in the week before the press conferences, I think it was a little concerning for fans when Kirk gave all his non-negotiables and um, those should be non-negotiables they are non-negotiables (laughs) but it sounded pretty concerning when he said oh we've run the same thing for 25 years but that kind of that tone shifted at the press conference I think Kirk he said he was open to new things with offense Um, Lester seemed like he was able to he's he's, he seems very adaptable I mean honestly the guy's been everywhere he's played in different all different types of systems Syracuse spread offense Purdue they run the Saints offense um obviously he was in Green Bay Western Michigan um so he, he's got the experience and I think he's going to be able to adapt to this Iowa offense adapt to quarterback Cade McNamara well I mean you guys pretty much cover all the points but I mean once again like I said last week we're not looking for an explosive air raid you know fun and gun type offense this guy just needs to be average at best. And from that press conference, uh, he sounded very promising. And the key word definitely, aggressiveness. I want to see Iowa going for it on fourth and one, short yardage situations uh, around the 50, and hopefully he'll do that. But yeah, it's looks promising. He also said the word fun. When he, he did, he did say offense, that. He did is, say fun crazy because I don't know what that feels like um, watching Iowa that's doesn't that's not a thing 
We're gonna see like some flea flickers in there. I don't know. No way. But, hey, I mean, no way. <laughs> no like way. Matt said, um, I mean, he talked about he's really heavy on RPOs. He loves tight ends. Um, there was a year at Western Michigan, right? They they didn't huddle at all, which I don't know if I will completely go away from the huddle. But I mean. I would love to see that kind of play more tempo. Um, sometimes I think Iowa just they huddle so much they go slow. It just kind of kills momentum. And so I would like to see just Iowa play faster and yeah, more aggressive. Also, an- another underrated moment during that press conference was when he said he he kind of prefers he would prefer being the offensive coordinator for up in the press box. Obviously, you get a better view of the whole field. And he also mentioned a decent point saying like hey when you're on the sideline you do get caught up in that emotion sometimes you can't kind of see things the way they are and sometimes you're you're swayed based on what you based on what other people are telling you what fans are screaming at you but in that isolated environment i think he can make better decisions i mean obviously there's some disadvantages too where you can't hear what players are telling you i guess but um because i don't know when's the last time i was had an offensive coordinator be up in the press box well brian ference he actually started in the press box oh. and he got kicked out because oh my. he, <laughs> oh no, he like sounds like he had a tantrum. He threw yeah. a fit. Oh boy, and he was on the sideline since then. I, and he still was, throws fits on the sidelines. That was in like the first. Still, or, yep, he does. That was the first or second year, I think. I think like, it was like the third game of yeah. his first. Oh year. my, oh wow, well. But I respect it though. He was passionate, passionate, yeah, and he cared. That's the thing that Iowa fans should at least respect Brian for, mm-hmm. if anything. Mm-hmm. If Ryan was not there at the press conference today, but, I mean, I'd be surprised. I'm not saying he should have been. That would have been very surprising to see him there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lester also talked about wide receivers and how they're super important. He's had a lot of history with producing good wide receivers, NFL-caliber wide receivers. And this was a quote from him. Um, the flexibility of an offense is key. I haven't had a chance to meet all of the wide receivers yet, but I want to make sure the quarterback understands we're going to spread the ball around. And I think Iowa, um, a lot of the times, I feel like everyone knows where the ball is going to go. And quarterbacks, they're looking just one or two spots, like Luke Lachey. Like, they're trying to get him the ball every single time. And I think he mentioned having wide receivers in the backfield and doing different stuff. So, I don't know. Like, I think Caleb Brown could be a really great fit a really great fit under Lester and then um, I'm interested to see I do think there's got to be one or two running backs that are going to leave um, there's just not room we have Kamari Moulton Terrell Washington then there's Jazz LaShawn Williams Caleb Johnson like mm-hmm. they're all not going to get playing time 100% at least one or two of them are going to leave which is understandable but um I really liked how he said he would play to the different players' strengths, play to his quarterback's strengths, and if he would, you know, if Cade, I don't even want to say it actually, if Deacon had to come (laughs) into a game, um, he would, you know, adjust the offense based on what Deacon can do well. And I think that's something Brian didn't really do. I think no matter who was in there, it was kind of the same thing, so. Yeah. And with the quarterback play specifically, um, Lester, obviously the new craze is all about mobility, mobility, mobility. People are freaking out about James Resser um, from Florida, an Iowa recruit. He's running like a, a good time in the 100-yard dash. But Lester kind of dampened 
the hype around mobility. I mean, he made a good point saying, like, hey, mobility, it's it's great. It looks good on, you know, first down when they rush for 20 yards, but like on third down, third and long, you need, some, need, you need to make a play. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it doesn't work out in crunch time. I mean, I mean look at Justin Fields. As a Paris fan, that's I mean you see the flashes, no, but me. you got it. You got to be a passer. You got to be efficient. That's what he. That's what he preached once again. Efficiency over mobility, and I think that's a good philosophy for philosophy for Iowa to have. Right. He said he'd rather have a quarterback that was consistent rather than someone that can run a little bit faster, which I totally agree with. Mobility does not always equal awesome things. And McNamara is certainly the guy that. I feel that Lester would trust the most because not only is he experienced, uh, he's also proven that he can, you know, throw a football, unlike previous quarterbacks that we've had here. So I think, you know, combine those two factors and he'd be a good fit in Lester's offense. Yeah, and he didn't sound worried. Like someone asked about Cade and how not having him practice in the spring will kind of affect the offense, but he said that he's really confident in McNamara and the fact that he has played five years or this will be his sixth year in college now he's led a team to the playoffs um so he spoke highly of McNamara and I think you know even though Cade won't be a full go in the spring he's definitely not just going to be on the sidelines doing nothing like he'll still get some work done and um I, I would just love to see Cade come into the first game I don't think I don't know if he'll ever be a hundred percent again, but coming into the first game more healthy than he was last year because you know he he Clearly was never wasn't. he was never healthy mm-hmm. when the season started. I mean, the spring practice was the healthiest he's he had ever been. He said, and then he tore his or he hurt his quad. So like, I don't know. I would just like to see what Cade can do when he's not dealing with an injury. And as much as we hate on Iowa not being explosive on offense, you have to remember uh, the key to any success that they're going to have on offense has to be the offensive line. Uh, we've seen pathetic offensive line performances uh, in the last couple years, uh, which is very uncharacteristic for a Kirk Ferentz football team. And Iowa's going to have to protect Cade McNamara because... Um, they cannot afford to see another QB go down with an ACL this year. Uh, it's too important. Yeah, a big part of the O-line, obviously getting Caden Proctor in the portal, huge. Um, definitely take one of those tackle spots. Um, then Rusty, or obviously Rusty Feth is gone. Uh, Jennings Dunker, got to become a better better pass blocker, but... It, there's still there's still room to grow, but I think another obviously another off season. This line was young; they hadn't really worked together before. Um, I just said, yeah, great point. I mean, you can't have a no matter how good the quarterback is, if they only have two seconds to throw, it's not going to work. Yeah, and honestly, like I I've thought the O line has been the biggest problem like the past two seasons. Honestly, um, you know, Deacon Petrus obviously were not great um and didn't help the offense out when they got a chance to but um everything starts at the o-line i mean if an o-line misses a block or anything the play's dead like they're they're the guys that start it um and 
yeah, they gotta protect McNamara, give him some time. And I think, like, McNamara's not a huge runner, but, like, he does know how to move around in the pocket. I don't think he'll just stand there like a statue, but, again, he has to have time. Then another part of the press conference is that, you know, they they didn't tell us it was going to happen. You know, Seth Wallace was there, um, a former, well, he still, still is the linebackers coach for Iowa, but he was recently promoted um, to associate head coach. The first time under Kirk Ferentz that Iowa has had the sort of position. Um he gave his he gave some remarks he filled some questions um and then obviously he emphasized you know getting that chance getting that phone call 2005 um to come to Iowa um spending some time down in D3 um made a funny joke cuz like if you're down in D3 you got to tell your wife like this is a commitment like <laughs> this is a grind have fun out in, out in your small town you know coaching for 20, 18 hours a day um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see an associate head coach. I mean, obviously the, he was asked a question about, Hey, what are you going to do in five years, five years from now? And obviously, you know, he couldn't give a great answer cause you know, it's, it's hard to look in the future, but having this associate head coach role, you know, somewhere down the line, if Kirk were to, you know, retire, he would be, he would be an option. Obviously LeVar Woods <laughs> is also a candidate. Um, but actually just, just today, as of this podcast recording, yeah. uh, he took an interview with uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the NFL for their special teams coordinator role. So if, if Woods is out of the picture and goes to the league, which by all means, go right ahead. You're, he's, a, he's a great coordinator, deserves a chance. Um, but I think Wallace could be the next that next guy. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, it's definitely uh, something new that we haven't seen, like you said. And it's definitely something to keep an eye out for, for sure. Well, I was switching topics, so it was last week. I was eating dinner, I looked at my phone, and Kenna sends me, I think, 10 straight text messages <laughs> with an all-time rant about Iowa men's wrestling. They were wrestling Michigan that night. I had no idea, unfortunately, but she was locked in uh, at home with her dad watching on the two-TV setup in the basement, Iowa men's basketball, Iowa men's wrestling. Iowa men's basketball found a W, but wrestling team did not. And she can tell you more about... She can tell you more about it right now. <laughs> well, I've been going to Iowa men's wrestling meets since I was little. Like, my first one was probably when I was three or four years old. Um, obviously, I don't have memories from those meets, but I've never seen Iowa get beat like that. I've never seen... I mean, I don't think... I mean, my dad said that he's never seen Iowa get beat like that. I don't know if anyone has or... I don't know if anyone has ever seen Iowa perform like that. Like, as as a collective whole, it was just bad. Like, um, Iowa didn't score their first takedown until the sixth match of the night. Um, they lost the first five matches, including top-ranked Real Woods um, losing his first match of the season, his first loss since he lost in the national championship. Um, but, I mean, there was just no aggressiveness... Um, I don't want to say that they didn't look like they wanted to be there because I, I, that's probably not true, but, um, something is just off right now. I'm not, not sure, I'm not sure what's going on, but I mean, Iowa wrestling is no longer the powerhouse that they once were. Penn State is light years ahead, and I'm not exactly sure what the answer is, but... 
I just, Iowa has always been good at wrestling. I can't imagine Iowa not being good at wrestling. Like, I, like, I, like, was just, like, jaw-dropped most of the night because I was like, what is happening? Like, this is not Iowa wrestling. So when, when watching that, that match against Michigan, what, what did, like, non-aggressiveness look like to you when watching it? Just being very passive, and I feel like they were more just kind of standing back and trying not to lose instead of taking shots and trying to be the aggressor and, like, control the match. Um, that's That's mainly what I saw, and... Also, I mean, Woods, he's someone last year, he scored 15, 20 points, like, right when the whistle blew. He was, like, going for the legs, trying to get a takedown. He didn't He didn't score a takedown in his match, and he, he's had a lot of close matches this year. Um, I, I mean, he's almost lost more matches this year, but he just hasn't looked the same to me um, in terms of that. I mean, he's someone who always says that he loves to put up points, and... I mean, I don't. I, he 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 sat out the duels against Northwestern and Illinois. I don't know if that's just because they wanted to give him rest ahead of the Michigan and Penn State duel, um, or he's hurt, or what's going on. But just as a whole, um, I don't know. There's just not a lot of positivity around the program right now. People who are saying brands should get fired, I think, are a little crazy. Um, that's, I mean, everyone just, everyone goes, I mean, if they complain, they go the whole way. It's fire the whole staff. It's, we're never going to win again. Like, we have the worst wrestlers ever. Like, people overreact about everything. But I don't think brands should get fired. It's one, it's one loss. And yes, it was a horrible loss. But every, I mean, no matter how good you are, you don't win every time. Um people lose matches and they have off nights but I think the real I they 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 face Penn State on Friday and I think the real I don't know that will be like a real um indicator of what this team is actually all about are they going to come out and perform better and give themselves a chance in front of the home crowd and show that that was a fluke or um, I'm afraid that they might not win a single match. Um, I think it could go either way, but I mean, some someone's got to kind of right the ship, and you know, the season is not over. Like they can't let that ruin the season. There's a few duels left, and they still have all of March Big Ten championships, NCAA championships. There's bigger goals still ahead and on the table. Um, that's not out of the picture yet, but. I think they just got to show some life on Friday um, to kind of calm the noise. And I don't know, just for their own sense of, you know, confidence too, um, just getting that back. They need to, they don't necessarily need to win as a team, win the duel, but just have some better performances and actually compete. I mean, Penn State has all 10 of their guys are ranked inside the top 15. They have... I might be wrong. There's at least two guys on there who are three-time national champion, three-time national champions. Um, I mean, they are just absolutely loaded. So, I mean, I hope Iowa doesn't get shut out. Um, I don't know the last time Iowa wrestling got shut out. I I don't know. 
I really don't. Probably should look that up, but... Also, today at Wrestling Media, the football press conference went way longer than I thought, so I didn't even make it to Wrestling Media. But I watched some clips, and Tom Brand said, Gabe, we will see Gabe Arnold this season. He just doesn't know when. So that could literally mean on Friday or in the Big Ten Championships. Honestly, to me, I think... Why not throw Gabe Arnold and Ben Keeter out there on Friday and see if they can compete with the best of the best? And if they can compete with those guys, and if they win even, you pull both of their red shirts. Because, I mean, you gotta... I say, like, you only pull their red shirts if you think they can win a natty this year. Um... I think that's the only way you do it, and I think they they both have a few matches left that they can wrestle. Um, Penn State, I mean, at this rate, too. I mean, Gabe Arnold has shown he's done everything right when he has got the chance to wrestle. So, I don't know. I, I, I kind of hope that they just put both of those guys out there just to see what they do. Um, but they have to make a decision eventually, and I think, you know, this – this match against Penn State. I mean, Ben Keeter, if he goes out there, he's going to have to face Greg Kirkfleet, who is a monster. And, I mean, there's just, there's so Big many. Dude. Yeah. There's, Big dude. And, you know, if if they win, that's awesome. Um, and if they don't win, you still get to see, you know, how they perform on the biggest stage in front of a sold-out crowd, you know, and they're both really young. But... I don't know. I think, you know, Bradley Hill, He's he's been decent. I, I honestly don't know if Keeter or Hill is better. I'm not sure. But I, I think Gabe Arnold gives Iowa a better chance at scoring point, points than um, – I see, that's the other thing, though. Like, what weight would, what weight would um, Arnold go to? Because he wrestled 184 against Iowa State. And on Twitter, he said that was a one-time thing. Like, I'm not built like that. I'm small. And he is a short little dude. But then you have Patrick Kennedy at 174, who has been decent. And then there's also Caliendo at 165, where Kennedy used to be last year. But Caliendo beat Kennedy, so he kind of won that spot at 165. So I don't know, like, I don't know where you put Arnold. And then 184, you have Aiden Ringens, who started out the year you know, really slow. He's only a redshirt freshman, but he's won his last two Big Ten matches. Um, and, you know, he's obviously worked really hard. So, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's kind of just a wait and see. And Matt covered wrestling with me, and he knows Tom Brands doesn't reveal literally anything. And the lineup, the probable lineup does not include Gabe Arnold. And on the heavyweight spot, it says Ben Keeter or Bradley Hill. But, like, when Spencer Lee wrestled for the first time last year he wasn't on the lineup he just walked out like they uh they tend to do things like that so I'm not like taking the probable lineup as what is for sure gonna happen on Friday yeah Tom Brands is quite the character a very entertaining guy um but yeah he does not reveal anything injuries lineups yeah the Spencer Lee that was a that was Iowa State right when yes, I was stayed at yeah, home. Yeah, and I remember that that place was packed. And when he when they played his music, oh my mm-hmm. gosh! And I'm not sure Iowa would have won if Lee didn't wrestle. That's a good point. I don't think Iowa would have beat Iowa State this year if Arnold didn't wrestle either. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
You mentioned something earlier about another lineup, of 149. See, there's a, some lineup decision there. or I think it was, yeah, Caleb Rathjen, Rathjen didn't yeah. go against Michigan. Um, Rachi. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, literally, I apologize. No, I like just learned how to say his name like not that long ago. Um, but yeah, Rachi was on the probable lineup heading into the match against Michigan, and then Victor Voinovich went. Um, and Rachi had went the past few duels before that, so I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, and Rachi is listed on the probable lineup for this Friday against Penn State. So, I have no idea. I, I'm not sure anyone asked at the press conference either. I don't know if it's an injury or what happened. But, yeah, I was surprised to see that. But, again, I don't really think any of that's going to be revealed. And no matter who goes out there, though, it's going to be electric. Carver Hawkeye is going to be packed. Mm-hmm. If this was an, The only way, being at, being this being a home duel is like, is the only what is going to be a huge factor in Iowa if they even want to pull off this sort of upset. I know it's one versus two, but it feels like one versus sixteen, you know. But hey, I bought a ticket, seventy-five bucks. It'll be worth it. I hope. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope. I know. Yes, I'm glad I'm covering it for free. Jeez. <laughs> That's one of the many benefits. Student tickets sold out. Iowa's other wrestling program, though, the women's, went undefeated, sixteen and zero in dual competition won the national dual championships and they have regionals coming up in a couple weeks and then they will have the national championships which are actually going to be held um cedar rapids yeah cedar rapids um so i think iowa fans will definitely show out for that i think it'll be a home mat advantage i guess you could say but yeah anyway we're going to be talking to two women's wrestlers ella schmidt and kylie welker wrestlers Kylie Wilker and Ella Schmidt. We're really glad to have you guys on. How are you? Good, how are you? Pretty good. So, you guys are kind of in a little break right now, preparing for regionals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, just talk about the season, how how it's been. First season, undefeated in dual competition, and you guys won the National Duels Championship. Um, how has it been just first season finally actually getting to compete as Hawkeyes? You go first. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this year there was a lot of momentum leading up um, to this season, especially because, you know, we were here all last year uh, as red shirts, and then we finally got the opportunity to put on that Hawkeye singlet, and um, it was super exciting and an honor, really, to be able to compete in that singlet. and. Uh, the ball just keeps rolling as we continue to work towards regionals and nationals. So, Yeah, I kind of like exactly what Kylie said. I know all of us were really excited for this season because we were finally able to go out there with our singlets and represent Iowa and everything that it stands for. And then it's also just nice getting the freshmen in, new teammates. So kind of just family bonding time we sometimes refer to it as. But it's just been a really great year, and we're excited to keep rolling. Uh, how did it feel uh, to step on the mat at Carver for the first time for the first duel? There you go, Ruth. <laughs> uh, it was it was pretty exciting. Uh, I felt like there's been a lot of time leading up to it for me personally. I know that 
Uh, maybe a couple of the girls can relate on the team too, but just growing up in Iowa, um, always being an Iowa fan and going to the Carver meets ever since I was little, like it was never really a possibility until a few years ago that I would be able to be competing on the mat. So it was a really surreal moment and uh, it was honestly life-changing. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would echo that. I obviously didn't grow up in Iowa, but um, from the moment that I committed here and the first time I ever watched a duel in Carver, it was, you know, I kind of had my eyes set on that moment. And, um, I mean, it's everything you could ask for. The fans were great, uh, electrifying, really. And, uh, I mean, eventually, like, the first duel, I was, you know, super nervous, like, walking in and, and excited at the same time. But uh, after the first match and then leading into the second duel, like, that place didn't seem like a fantasy anymore. It felt like home, um, which is, you know, always a good feeling, you know, because we, we walk into those doors every day, and it it's cool to see so many people fill up the arena. What does, like, um, an everyday look like for you guys um, during the season, like in terms of classes and practice? What do you guys, what do you guys do every day? Yeah, so we... Um, we lift three times a week, and that's on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday in the morning. And then we have practice six days a week um, at 9.30 typically, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So uh, super busy. And then there's also optional, like, practices at night um, for the RTC. And, I mean, a lot of us just go in to get extra work in anyways, and that's, like, 6.30, like, three days a week. So um, it's always super busy, and we're in that room a lot <laughs> so yeah. yeah hi the same schedule as her so <laughs> <laughs> um so with the uh, workouts and um practice what's your favorite and least favorite drill in practice <laughs> uh, i hate executions basically like it's usually used as like to get get your uh, cardio up like a bunch of takedowns at a pretty high pace so i don't really like executions do you agree I agree, yeah, I don't like those that much, but um, the, I think the thing that I hate the most <laughs> that I dislike doing is uh, Coach Gary makes us do this thing called patient pinning. Oh, and I like, love patient pinning, that's no. my favorite one. No, <laughs> no I hate, I like the patient pinning part, but the other part where you have to fight off your back is just like horrendous to me. Like, I hate being on my back in the first place, and then when you have to fight off it against your like opponent's will in practice, it's just like not the move. But um, yeah, I guess that'd probably be my least favorite. Yeah, no, that would be my favorite one. All right. So patient <laughs> pinning is when you start on your back and you have to pin someone again, or? Um, well, patient pinning is pretty much it's a, it's an offensive drill, but on the opposite side of it, you're you're trying to get off your back as your partner's trying to pin you, oh. and you start there. So it's like mm-hmm. an exercise to like work off your back, which seems kind of backwards. Like, why are we practicing being on our backs in the first place? But like, it happens. Like, mm-hmm. like you could get caught on your back, and all of a sudden, like, you gotta you're fighting for your life there. So. Yeah, it's it's an I've never worked that before really in my entire career. So, I mean, it's definitely a new drill, but yeah. <laughs> Do they ever make you guys run up and down the Carver stairs? Cuz I know the men's wrestling team has done that before. Yeah. Yeah, we do buddy carry sometimes too, where you put someone on your back and you have to go uh, up the stairs and then usually we do like one you go up the stairs and then you have to run a lap around. So, it's quite exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> Last year when I was trying to get in shape, I'd do it for fun. I was I was a crazy person. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though, like that home atmosphere. Like we're running those stairs every, like, so often, and it's like then you walk in and get to compete there, so it's kind of cool. 
My favorite time to go up the stairs is when I get to get a carver cone at the top, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something. That'll motivate me. Do you guys carry each other when you go up and down stairs? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Okay. It's called buddy carries. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like you just put them on your back and try not to let go and get up the stairs as fast do as you can. Do you do specifically you two? No. 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 Way too different. I think last time we did it, I carried Coach Tanya up the stairs. So. Huh. Is your coach telling you to go faster? He has your. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. She's always in my ear about one thing or another. So. How about in the weight room? Like, what's your least favorite thing, favorite and least favorite thing to do there? Anything. <laughs> um, hmm. um, I mean, I have a few different things that I really enjoy that we do. Like, Mondays are like a full body like circuit kind of, but it's like more of a thing to like feel good. So like when we're coming off a competition or like a weekend, those Monday lifts are like kind of refreshing. Um, and then I also like like pushing myself in deadlifts. Like we do some trap bar deadlift stuff, and I like to see how far I can, uh, you know, how much weight I can put on that bar because I guess my legs are pretty strong. So just being able to load the bar up is really fun. But I'd say my least favorite thing is hand cleans because we've done them so much. <laughs> like I'm so sick of them. But you know, I just do what I'm told. <laughs> true. Uh, true. My favorite lift is hand clean. All right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'd probably say that I don't really like any like kind of squats, but we don't do much of those. Probably the next one would be bench press because I have noodle arms and I have really long arms, so it's like a lot more distance to cover. But <laughs> Kylie shows me up and she has a seam, so maybe it's just an excuse. But yeah, I could do hand cleans for a while. <laughs> What's the PR you're most proud of? We don't really hit yeah, PRs. Yeah. Okay. Like I've never maxed out on any like lift ever actually huh? in my life but um yeah it's more of like uh like mobility training That's a good and point. just like yeah. Yeah, yeah especially like during season he, our lifting coach ryan is very specific about the stuff he makes us do and is pretty oh. in, intentful about yeah. it so. I, he knows more than i do yeah. i was in the football <laughs> mindset where these guys no, are yeah. trying to <laughs> squat as much as possible it doesn't honestly make sense because he's never no, gonna do that no, in a game yeah. yeah you know for sure do you guys get a lot of free time and when you do get any what do you guys like to do around Iowa City or just in general what are your hobbies <laughs> I sleep a lot she does sleep yeah. quite often <laughs> Ellie you want to go do this I'm, no I'm going to take a nap <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Ella's favorite hobby what else do you do um, I like to hit up the mall quite often. I have a shopping problem. Mm. Lululemon. <laughs> we go to Lululemon a lot. Yeah. They should sponsor us. <laughs> Big facts. Um, um, what else do we do that's exciting? I mean, I'm part of a campus like ministry called Athletes in Action. I'm really involved in that. And um, on I go to something for, you know, the ministry on Monday Monday nights, Sunday nights, and then also Wednesday nights. So, and then there's also this thing called Salt Company that I go to, and that's on Thursdays. So, I spend my free time a lot, like in the church and around the community, but um, also just hanging out with the teammates and chilling out. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. Is hanging out with teammates. Usually, if I'm not practicing with them, I'm hanging out with them. So, basically, yeah. Uh, you talked about those family bonding uh, earlier in the interview. Uh, what are some moments of that? What's like a funny story you remember oh, from gosh. those times? There's so many. There's a lot of really <laughs> funny stories. I think like when we shine the best, like as a team and like the family atmosphere is like competitions. If you like observe our team at all, we're very upbeat and we're always having fun. Like there have been multiple instances where we've had like dance circles at the end or like even during a competition just to keep the vibe up. So 
that that kind of is what I think about when I think of family but then also just the aspect of we're always like around each other and hanging out like I know all the freshmen at the dorms keep each other company and then we all live in the same apartment most of us so we're always around each other and pretty much living with each other so yeah you <laughs> Uh, how cool has it been to inspire younger wrestlers to maybe pursue their own dreams in wrestling? Yeah, I would say that's something that we really value as a program. Um, I mean, everything we do, you know, we say it so often, it's for her. And um, I didn't really understand, like, how impactful, like, our team and, like, me as, like, a wrestler on this team, like, is to the younger generation. And, you know, even, like, just women empowerment like as well but um I've had so many people like come up to me and like really bring it to my attention like hey you're the reason why I'm still wrestling or you're the reason why I started or like and it's just like really cool and um you know just like it it makes you feel good like you're doing something beyond the sport and uh it's it's honestly like such a such a cool position to be in yeah that and then also on top of that it's like I feel like at least speaking for myself sometimes it's hard to like understand like the true impact that you have until you like can see it directly and like really honestly I'll never quite understand because it feels like I was just that girl yesterday but it's really cool to like I don't know like the other week uh, I had like a moment where we were all after our second Carver duel that we did like autograph signings and like thinking women's wrestling all right it's a growing sport like there's going to be a few girls and we go out there and it, they have to cut off the line because there's so many girls and there was one girl that it was her birthday and she was literally sobbing because she didn't make the cutoff and we did we ended up getting her in line but uh it was just like crazy to think that like little girls really like admire us that much and it's inspiring too, like just throughout the sport, like sometimes it gets tough and to just think that there's so many little girls looking up to you, not only, it's not only happening, helping them, but it's helping us, so, yeah. Um, well, the national championships will be just right up the road in Cedar Rapids. Um, are you guys excited to have it so close to home? And um, I guess, how are you guys preparing for regionals and nationals and um yeah yeah i mean i mean hopefully since it's right up the road i hope that we can get some home home crowd in the in the stands um i know we went there last year and uh the team like i mean we can arguably arguably say that they're like our biggest competitors right now is north central like they showed up and showed out with their like like section and like their cheering section which is crazy so i'm hoping we can uh do better than them even so um expectations for that and then leading up to regionals i i mean i look at these next you know few weeks as like a training block um just tightening up feeling good and you know moving moving one step at a time one day at a time towards regionals and then hopefully towards nationals so yeah outside of like some small tweaks that we're making obviously in our training um it's it's nothing out of the usual uh, we train hard every day so I mean just keeping that up we're a great team so if we do our thing when it comes time I'm sure we'll be all right and when you each are wrestling um like in a duel or in a tournament I'm just curious like what is going through your head during a match like I know a lot of people say they black out and they don't remember anything um or like some people like talk to themselves in their heads like what do you guys do <laughs> you go first uh, I mean, most of the time I black out. It's it's that um, point of the sport where 
your muscle memory just takes over and you're like I didn't even realize that I, what I was doing was, like I didn't even know I could do that and then all of a sudden you're hitting the splits like you know your, your body just like kind of does its own thing which is like really cool and it shows like your your training and like how much we have mastered the movement of our body which is cool but there's also moments where I catch myself like like lately I've been trying to like change my mindset a little bit and have more fun with the sport versus it like being so personal to me and um I've thought of like some really goofy things in a match just like random thoughts and then sometimes I'm like what are you doing like stay in the match like lock in but like sometimes I'm like if it's like a super tight match I'm just I'm constantly telling myself like my three words like over and over and over again or like keep pushing or like how bad do you want this next point just like kind of talking to myself if I get to a point where I'm like the match is paused and then we go back to the center then I'm like reset refocus and then do it all over again so that's kind of like how I work but we're all different yeah on top of like having fun with what Kylie said I, I like to focus on that a lot too just because the sport is supposed to be for fun like at the end of the day it's really not that big of a deal as crazy as it sounds it's a sport but for me personally I also just find that like with that kind of mentality it works uh kind of like take the pressure off go have fun uh go do what you know how to do out there because in the long run for me at least I find that being nervous really doesn't help as much so of course there's there's some nerves like there's never not going to be nerves but kind of like right before the match I just flip that mentality where like it's time to go let it let it fly and what happens happens so what would you guys say to any university that's thinking about adding a women's wrestling program? I mean, for me, like, an opportunity, like, coming to Iowa has been life-changing. Um, so to think that there's so many, uh, like, programs out there that don't have programs is so many opportunities missed for, you know, the up-and-coming generation. Like, this, this next group of girls that's coming on the Rise Up is like the sport is evolving so much there is you know young girls that are beating and winning college opens like it is like crazy how much the sport is growing and changing and um for universities like I just hope they're realizing like how much the sport has grown and how much it's continuing to grow and won't stop growing so hopefully they'll just hop on it and continue to open up programs in universities because um I mean in the end like it's going to be needed eventually. There's going to be so many girls that don't have a place to go. So um, that's probably what I would say, yeah. Yeah, um, kind of two aspects. The first one being that even, like, at the college level, I think there are so many great athletes with beyond D1 um, potentials, and it's kind of heartbreaking to know that there's a cutoff at some point, and a lot of those girls don't get to be at the level that they deserve to be, so there's that, but then also just looking at it as, like, a university's perspective, I think it says a lot about a university when they add uh, women's wrestling. It's it's the new thing, and it's the movement, and it shows their support a lot, um, especially in women's sports. I know that's a huge thing at Iowa, so I don't think they could have made a better uh, decision by adding us, so... And then please forgive me, but I've not been to a Carver duel with you guys this year. I'm sorry about that. I really sh I wish you guys wrestled more at Carver. Yeah. Like, but, um, but do you guys have the walkout songs that the men do, right or no? Uh, we get to pick our own. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So what you guys pick and explain why? Um, I picked something <laughs> bad by Carrie Underwood. Okay. Um, I've I've been told so many times that that song like like fits me like especially after I walked out to it because I'm not like like, this hard, like, rap kind of girl, but, like, I also grew up in Wisconsin, so, like, kind of from the sticks a little bit, but, 
Um, you know, just like that mentality to like, I'm gonna go out there and something bad is about to happen to you. You know, so that's kind of <laughs> what my thought process was on it. Um, and like, I just like had that song stuck in my mind since like I even thought about a walkout song last year. So yeah. For, for me, I kind of was going back and forth between a lot of different songs, and, like, we were all talking to each other in the locker room about, like, our ideas and stuff, because it's kind of hard to decide on just one song that you want to represent you, and the girls, like, insisted that I did some, like, some girl rapper, just because it kind of fits my vibe, so I went with Nicki Minaj and did, did it on him, and that has a good beat, too, so it gets me going. That's what I needed. It fit very it, well. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, who do you guys have winning the Super Bowl? This weekend. Wait, who's in the Super Bowl? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're so locked in. They're locked in. Football, what? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped watching football once I, like, I used to play it, and I used to go to so many, like, football, like, parties and, like, whatever, but once I quit football, like, I just didn't, uh, So, wait, you, you used to play football? Yeah. <laughs> for how long? I played for two years when I was younger, like, nothing crazy. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, do you remember anything from doing that? I mean, I was a quarterback and the outside linebacker, and I remember some. There's some like, like pretty like distinctive memories that I remember. But there's also like a like if if I looked at like my playbook or like the thing that I had, like I, I don't think I could remember anything. <laughs> but I mean, I remember like the rules and the the basics of the sport, which yeah. is nice to have. But yeah. I don't know. Do you remember making like a great tackle or something like that? <laughs> I just remember, like you must have like, laid somebody out. I do. <laughs> I did really enjoy like there's like. You know, like, when you play, like, softball or baseball, like, there's, like, that sweet part of the bat. Like, yeah. there's also that sweet part in the tackle. So, like, I just remember <laughs> hitting that, and it just was, like, I don't know, it's a good feeling, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How did you guys get into wrestling? Um, I started because, so, my my brother did it probably for, like, a few months before I was allowed to but basically it started because I would always get dragged along to his practices and the deal was I had to sit on the side and do my homework and I hated doing homework and I still do but um so I always wanted to do it obviously but I, the homework on top of it I was just like yeah get me out of this uh and then one day coach Lloyd I remember he so like we have ropes in the um in the wrestling room that I started in and he's like come come climb this rope and I had done gymnastics before that so I was, I was pretty good I was a pretty strong little kid and uh I climbed it with like without a problem and he was just told my parents, yeah, you need to get her into it. And it took some convincing. Eventually, they let me practice. Uh, I wrestled my first tournament, and I won one match, and my mom was like, yeah, I thought you, for sure you'd be done, and I wasn't. So I just haven't stopped since then. What do you remember from that first tournament? Like, how, oh how, even gosh. that first official match, like, were you nervous going into it? I like, don't even remember the... Like, I remember the one match that I actually won, and I was so excited. And at the tournament, it was um, the DeWitt tournament. They were they get, they get always gave out, like, big trophies. And so my trophy wasn't that tiny. Even though I only won one match, I still got this trophy. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely coming back. <laughs> I mean, I kind of have a pretty similar story. Um, my brother was in a bunch of different sports, and he didn't have, like, a winter sport, and he was kind of like a couch potato, so he'd, like, sit and play video games, and my parents didn't like that too much, so <laughs> they threw him in wrestling, and I got dragged along to all the practices, and I was in gymnastics at the time, and I've been doing gymnastics, like, since I was, like, I was super young when I started, so um, I was just, you know, flipping around on the mat, and then I got put into the wrestling practices because somebody needed a partner or whatever, and... Mm -hmm. 
the rest is history. I was uh, turned out. I was pretty good, pretty pretty mean as a little kid. <laughs> um, I know that there are so many people that always said that how I was just such a mean wrestler. Um, but yeah, that's kind of kind of how it started for me. I was I was like four years old when I started, so like I barely remember the beginning years. But huh. what do you mean by mean? I don't think you do. You don't strike me as a mean person. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> a mean on the person, <laughs> but on the wrestling mat, it's a different story. Um, I would just hit a lot of blast doubles. Like, I'd just pick people up and throw them on the mat. Like, that was, like, my goal as a little child. Um, but I just, I don't know. I would just go out there and try to score points, I guess. <laughs> Do you guys think, like, gymnastics helped you transition into wrestling? Yeah. Personally, like, I if I ever have children and I want them to do wrestling like I will be putting them in gymnastics before um I mean it, it teaches you how to be aware of your body and like on top of it like you become so so strong and um flexibility like I can still do backflips and I can still do the splits to this day and I haven't been in gymnastics since I was 10 years old like um at like such a young age like your body learns to move a certain way and I think there's a lot of benefits from gymnastics that like correlate with wrestling yeah um I mean I didn't take it as far in gymnastics as Kylie did. I kind of quit at an earlier age, but I did find a passion for, like, uh, running and soccer, but more specifically running. Like, I, I ran varsity all four years of high school at a pretty big school, and we were decent at running. So um, I feel like for that sport specifically, I really like um, just kind of the grit that you have to have. I mean, you're running a 5K. You can't really stop in the middle. So I think that that helped me out in wrestling a lot specifically. But also on top of gymnastics, like we were at a meet the other day, and there's just no way I could ever do what those girls do. So props to them because, <laughs> I mean, if my kids in the future can do that, that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> do a lot of your teammates have the similar gymnastics history or no? Felicity does. Yeah, Felicity did it for a long time. She's still, mm -hmm. she's a little stud. Nobody else, though. I don't really. know if anybody else did gymnastics, to be honest. A few football players. Ava yeah. was a football player. Bella. Reese, Bella. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the, a, a lot of different sports, honestly. Yeah, so many different yeah. sports. <laughs> okay. So if you if you guys were to play it, your own, have your own Super Bowl. If uh -huh. you guys, the, the women's wrestling team, just say, hey, we're going to have our old, have our, have our own Super Bowl. We mm -hmm. should play football against each other. Who's going to do the best? Kylie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever team Kylie's on. <laughs> Um. Uh, I feel like Bella too. Like you, she, yeah. The stir. I mean, we kind of play like our own version of, you know, the Super Bowl when we play handball. You know, huh? we it's, play handball a lot. It's. Huh. I wish we would play more, but <laughs> at one at some point it becomes a safety hazard, and you got to be careful. But um, yeah, we we kind of we strategize with each other and try to make the teams like as best as possible. Obviously, but. There's a few pretty athletic people on our team for sure. I feel like I'd be good at running the ball. What's that called? If you caught the ball, you'd be good. I actually, <laughs> I'm not even uh, compared to some girls, I'm pretty good at catching the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but if I got the it's ball, it's hit or miss. I could run with it. I could run. She with could it. run with the ball, that's for sure. Yeah. This is gonna sound like a dumb question, but when you guys are wrestling, you guys like latch onto people's legs and like just roll on the mat. Oh, leg lace? Yes. Yeah. So, like, the tornado. yeah, I see you guys, like, you just, like, roll over, like, five times in a row super fast. Yeah. I just wanted to know, like, is that fun? What does that feel like? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess you could call it fun. I guess it depends on, uh, you know, like, 
how strong your opponent is. It's, yeah. If you get in a leg lace, you're typically trying to end the match, and it's fun once the match is over, I guess, and you're just rolling, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. You get dizzy. Yeah, you do get dizzy. It's fun if you don't get caught halfway through, like, on your back, or you just get stuck, because that's so disappointing when you have the legs <laughs> and you just can't finish the match off yet. Yeah. But it's definitely a fun move. Yeah. Yeah. One of the better ones in wrestling. For sure. So I know that freestyle wrestling, the wrestle, the what, the style you wrestle at right now, it's mm-hmm. very fast paced, a lot of high scoring. Have you always been wrestling that style before you got to college? No. So what was that transition like? For me, growing up, um, like on top of the folk style wrestling during the summer, I wrestled freestyle because that's kind of like what the national level was mm-hmm. at. So I was on like national team, and that was all freestyle. So I, I like had already had experience there, and honestly, I thought the transition would be worse, but it really wasn't. If anything, I just miss folk style. I like, I like half uh, Nelson. I still hit folk style moves in <laughs> freestyle, so I make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I did freestyle from a super young age. I called it the fun season of wrestling because. <laughs> Um, growing up when I was little, uh, I started wrestling freestyle when I was seven, but like, again, it's after folk style season. So like we had a very routine, like you go to state, you go to nationals, which is at the UNI dome. And then the week after starts freestyle and you wrestle that until about July. And then, you know, the cycle starts all over again. But I remember like I considered freestyle the fun practices cause our coach let us do flips in the beginning. And I was always so good at flips because of <laughs> gymnastics and throwing and back arches. And you know, you'd learn how to do all this fun stuff. And it was just like, you go out there and you get to try something fun and it looks cool. And uh, so I had a passion for freestyle from a super young age. And I also did Greco um, wrestling against the boys growing up. And I won state one year, so that was really cool. And then my eighth grade year, I got like second place or something. So I had a passion for freestyle and Greco from a young age. And then um, I stopped wrestling folk style at the end of my eighth grade year, I believe. I did like girls state and then like I had injuries. So like I took that year off, but I've done freestyle like all high school. Like I didn't wrestle in high school like a normal, I guess, high school wrestler would. So um, I've seen... Well, I haven't seen a lot, but I've seen some comments. Usually they just come from, like, old men. But they're like, I still, like, I can't, I still can't fathom, like, girls wrestling or whatever. Have you guys ever experienced, like, people, I don't know, being annoying that you're girls who wrestle? Like, have you ever had to deal with that? And what would you say to those types of people? I mean, yeah, I've been dealing with it my whole life. It's always, like, something like, why would you let your daughter wrestle? Why, you know, that's not a girl's sport. Like, why are you having, especially because, like, when we're younger, we grew up wrestling guys. Like, I wrestled boys up until eighth grade. Like, you know, like, it's just a certain point where, I don't know, like, the strength and balance. But I've had people like that since a super young age, and it's just, like, get over yourself. Like, <laughs> why are you hating on someone? Like, are you are you just mad because you're not good at the sport? Or, like, what's going on, you know? But um, there's still people on, like, Instagram and stuff that are, like, commenting, like, oh, I hate freestyle. Oh, like, this is dumb. Like, whatever. But it's, like, you have to look at the bigger picture. And um, you look at, like, collegiate wrestling and the guys, like, yeah, there's they're doing folk style, but what is the next level of wrestling? It's freestyle and Greco. So what's the point of having all these girls wrestle you know folk style and then try to make it to the next level and have to learn freestyle like it just doesn't make sense to me so in my opinion I feel like if you understand the sport of wrestling you wouldn't hate the fact that one we do freestyle and two that there's women's wrestling because of how high the competition like really can get to 
Yeah, I've I've also dealt with a lot of like people like that to make comments um, and like eventually get used to it. It still it still isn't very nice to look at, but like you kind of just laugh it off. <laughs> but I think like one thing that I've like noticed is obviously when uh, when we both started wrestling, it was super unpopular. So the comments were. They, they, they were much more frequent and, like, actions, I don't know, stuff would happen at practice or small stuff. And I had a lot of really supportive people, but obviously also with that came some negative people. But uh, something that I kind of grew to realize was um, people weren't a big fan of it at first when I was losing a lot. And, uh, oh, she, she loses, she cries, why is she here? She doesn't belong. Um, but then when you start getting good and you start beating the boys, that's when you'll notice people start to side with you, which is just crazy. Um, so crazy. But, I mean, yeah, like, connecting that back to people that may be dealing with it right now, like, use it as your motivation because I promise if you keep working, eventually they'll become your fan one day. So So there must have been some extra motivation then when you're wrestling a guy. <laughs> Sometimes. Like, I remember when I was little, like, I used to hate 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 when people used to tell me that I couldn't do things you know like who, who likes to be told that you can't wrestle because you're a girl like who cares right if I'm winning and I'm beating up these boys like who cares that I'm a girl and um I just I remember I would get so furious before I like walked out on the mat if someone like wouldn't wrestle me like I remember mm -hmm. there's strictly this one kid growing up that he like blamed it on religion but it's like I had a kid do that too yeah it's just like so ridiculous I'm like alright you just want to lose I guess like you're, you're scared like Take what's going fifth, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it would just like really make me upset and it, it did fuel me and it's like alright if you don't want to wrestle a girl well, then you're, you're gonna get punished even worse like it's like I don't know that's just kind of how I, I was growing up but it definitely was extra motivation cause like who likes being told that you can't do something yeah I really liked wrestling boys because I felt like I had nothing to lose when I would go out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially towards the beginning, everyone would be like, I mean, she's probably going to lose. So it was pretty fun to pull that ups upset most of the time. Uh, and then just like, I, I experienced stuff like that too. Uh, I had a kid in high school tell me that he wouldn't, well, he wouldn't tell me. He was too scared to tell me to my face, but he told the coaches. Uh, and he wouldn't wrestle me in a varsity duel, so mm. I was cutting a lot of weight at the time, too. Just cutting to 106, so it, it's just frustrating sometimes to put in all that work and prepare yourself. I mean, there's a lot that goes behind it, and to just be forfeited to because of religion or whatever the reason is, it's just can be frustrating, but I mean, in the long run, it's not that big of a deal, so... And you mentioned cutting weight. I know I've heard a lot of wrestlers say that they hate cutting weight. Um, I guess, what what do you guys do? Do you just like work out extra or like what what is the process of cutting weight? For, um, you wanna go? I can go. Right. So for our team specifically, um, the coaches especially have really gotten us away from the term of cutting weight and the actions of cutting weight. Uh, so our team really doesn't cut weight much at all. We weight manage. Um, we stand th in the range of 5% of our body weight and kind of keep that under control the whole season, um, preseason, and then into season. And um, I think that, honestly, it's a really good strategy. And sometimes it can be hard because they tell us all the time, like, you think of wrestling and people automatically assume, well, you cut weight. Or everyone tells you, oh, the lower you can get, the better you're going to do. And that's just, I mean, especially me and Kylie have figured out that's not the case. I know we both started cutting weight early in our wrestling careers, and we both had the most success as soon as we stopped uh, taking that so seriously. So, yeah, I'd recommend to just stay away from that. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I uh, I had a really cool, like, 
stopping of the cutting weight because <laughs> um, I mean I started you know losing weight from like a young age granted like in first grade you're not going to be able to cut 20 pounds like that's just not a thing yeah. but like five pounds for first grade is a lot and growing up like you're you have to eat a certain way you have to drink so much water you have to you know do all this stuff and um you know and it, it turns into like some sort of like scar that you have with the relationship of food and water and it it really is like probably the most negative part about the sport and like I'm a huge advocate for not cutting weight um like one of the coolest stories I have um and like biggest parts of my career is like I used to cut from you know 160 down to 136 like a crazy amount of weight and um I did that for a few tournaments and then um I wrestled at the last chance for Olympic trials in 2021 and I went up a weight class, and granted, I was still cutting 10 pounds to get down to that up, but it was an up, and um, ended up qualifying for Olympic trials, and then I went up another weight class, which granted, like, I wasn't even as big as the next weight class up, but, like, the, the competition um, up there, you know, was different from where I was at, and I ended up, you know, being an Olympic alternate and winning the tournament at the Olympic trials and then wrestling in the finals, and... Um, from that day on, like, I stopped, I have not cut a single, single pound. Like, I have wrestled at my body weight, um, if not under my weight, which, yeah, like, sometimes that, that can be hard. Like, you know, you have to get stronger, you have to fill into the weight class. But I think it's, like, so much, like, I've fallen in love with the sport all over again because I don't have to do that. And that's honestly, like, arguably, like, the worst part of the sport. And, like, you know, I can eat a full meal before I go to bed and weigh in the next day and be perfectly <laughs> fine. And, like, who like not a lot of wrestlers can say that and um i think we're in a position that we can try to help um advocate for the not cutting weight because it's such a negative part about the sport yeah just one more thing to go off that it's just like being around the sport for so long it really is a long-term effect that it has like you can stop cutting weight years ago and it's still gonna affect kind of your mentality to the to this day but um i just really think like i don't know if anybody's listening to this podcast and i have like um, a child or anybody that they know that's in wrestling just really advocating for not cutting weight uh, I've seen so many people boys and girls both get burnt out and not even reach their full potential because they didn't even get to do the actual sport and it started with them having to skip meals so I just think that that's a really important spot and I think Kylie and I both have had that learning piece throughout our careers and it's just nice to be able to tell people so they don't have to experience the same thing and risk losing your love for the sport now, is that sort of weight management thing? Is that being done at other colleges you know of? Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's kind of more of like an insider on our team, but um, I'm sure that like at the higher level, a lot of teams are kind of approaching it with that, or at least I would hope because it's it's detrimental, and I think that it really does help our team, and it's something to adjust to for the people coming in. But it's a it's a it's a really good way to approach it. I think, yeah. One, how did it feel to win the National Dual Championship? And then just what would it mean to you guys to win? Is it just the regular individual. tournament, individual? Yeah, individual? Okay, yeah. How how would it feel to um, come home with that, too? I think um, winning National Duels was such a special memory to our team. Um, it's just so cool having your entire lineup, you know, behind your back, like, cheering for you like coaching you through like hard matches and um you know it really came down to one point in our finals match at national duels and um you know it was such a crazy intense duel and it felt really good at the end of the day to come out on top um and I think moving forward for individual nationals like for me like I'm expecting 
high results. I'm expecting us to walk away with that title. Um, so I just, you know, knowing how hard we train and knowing, um, you know, if we continue to do the right things and we continue to set our goals past, you know, winning national titles, that I think that it'll come along with it. So, Yeah, I also think that just the, the finals um, duel was a pretty – cool uh, moment in our sports history to have that elite of um, women's collegiate wrestling teams going against each other. It was pretty cool that we got to do that and um, I think it was fun to watch too. But also just on top of that, like throughout the duel, it seemed like, oh my gosh, it felt like the longest duel ever and every match was so close. But um, we kind of like as a team have realized that there are a lot of people that are people would say praying on our downfall yeah. or would like to see us fail and that's normal and we all knew we all knew that we were taking on that challenge when we committed here um but it's just nice because during duels like that it's like we have each other and nothing else really matters so you know people can cheer on the outside do whatever they want talk talk the talk but I mean in the moment it it comes down to what we're good at and who supports us and really all we need is each other so it was just cool to have a moment like that and really test that I was going to say, well, most of your duels early in the season, they haven't been exactly close, but you said that um, obviously the championship was at one point. What was that like in such a, obviously such a more intense atmosphere with such a score being so close? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like, I thought there was matches in the, like, early on in the duel, like, I was, like, trying to calculate how matches would go, and it's like, all right, well, you think this is going to happen in this match, and this is going to happen in this match, and I'm like, oh, shoot, we're going to lose. Like, what's going on? Like, you're just so much thoughts are going through your head. And, um, you know, when it comes down to it, like, you're there to do one job, and it's you're there to wrestle your match and, you know, do the best of your abilities. Um, so, I mean, when it comes down to it, like, Coach Chun really, like, made a point to, you know, bring it up to us, like, every single point matters. And, um it was definitely a nail-biter. Like, it came down to, you know, the last few matches, and um, it was it was so intense. But in the end, like, we just have to trust each other that we're, you know, going to pull through. And I think, I think just believing in each other and, like, trusting each other is really, like, such a game-changer, you know, because if, if you don't even believe it yourself, then it's probably not going to happen. So um, just that confidence going in was definitely huge for us. Yeah, I think our team is really good at, like, when it comes down to it, individually focusing on our own stuff that we have. Everybody has a job to get done, um, and that can range from cheering loud or to winning your match or to even maybe getting a point on the board. So, I mean, everyone knows their job, and we're really good at executing, and that's what makes a, that's what makes a great team. So it was, it was honestly, like, it was stressful, but at the same time, you know, the results were already going to happen. We had already put in the work, so it was just, it was fun. It was, it was a good moment. Yeah, I would say uh, pressure. We talked about pressure a little bit, and pressure is definitely a privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, such a privilege. So it's it's cool to actually actually feel the pressure and you know take away like yeah, there's pressure because of how far the sport has grown. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you to Ella Schmidt and Kylie Walker for joining us. We are going to be moving on to another women's sport, women's basketball, specifically Caitlin Clark, who is just, well, I don't, this will come out on Friday, I think. So, by the time this comes out, they've already played Penn State, 
So she will be fewer than 66 points away from breaking the all-time woman NCAA scoring record, which is held by Kelsey Plum. Um, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to break it on Sunday at Nebraska. Um, or, you know, if, if Iowa's killing Nebraska 100%, they're going to take her out of the game, and they're going to have her break it at home on the 15th against Michigan. I can 100% see them doing that. But she can also score 66 points in two games. That's like just a that's just a casual night for her. So I don't know. But if it's like a close game against Nebraska, obviously she's gonna stay in and she's probably gonna break it. But she'll care more about winning the game than breaking the record. So you know. And then on the 15th, they're they're gonna recognize her before the game and she'll get the ball and all this stuff. They're still gonna be like she'll still get recognized at home and like have that moment. But I think it would just be special. Like everyone like her first shot against Michigan or something breaks the record. Um, <laughs> speaking of Caitlin breaking the scoring record, there are a few people that are haters. One of those is Cheryl Swoops, who is one of the best women's basketball players of all time. She held the NCAA tournament scoring record before Caitlin broke it this past, uh, in 2023. Um, but she was on a podcast. Don't even know the podcast name because I didn't listen to it and it's probably irrelevant. Um, <laughs> but she said a few things. One, she said that if for Caitlyn to break the record and it actually be, like, respectable if she broke the record, if she did it in the same amount of time as Kelsey Plum. And she went on to say that Caitlyn's already, like, used an extra year or whatever, had her COVID year or whatever. All right, well, Kelsey Plum broke the scoring record in, I think, 138 games. Clark has played 123 games in her career and is 66 points away, so she's actually going to break it before Kelsey Plum did. She's in her fourth year, she hasn't used a COVID year, and she might not even come back for another year, but if she did, um, the record would already be broken and she would just absolutely demolish it even more. She also said, of course you're going to be better when you're a 25-year-old playing against 20-year-olds. She just turned 22 on January 22nd, um, and then she also... She uh, kind of followed up on what Kim Mulkey said, that they that she takes 40 shots a game. Caitlin Clark has never taken 40 shots a game in her life. She averages 19.7 shots per game. Um, and also, Cheryl Swoops, she, like, someone tweeted, she um, averaged, like, 18 or 19 shots when she played in college. So she's just spewing misinformation. Maybe do a quick Google search before <laughs> you press record and so you don't sound like a complete idiot. It's not that difficult. I just don't understand why Cheryl would hate on somebody who's growing the game so much. And Cheryl needs to understand that she's universally respected as one of the all-time greats in the sport. And I'd say she's even top five. Um, I mean, she dropped 50 points in an NCAA championship game and let her team know when. She's got all the respect in the world from the media, fans, and even Caitlin Clark would have said couple days ago before this happened that she'd have respected the heck out of her and I just don't understand what she's trying to do here just respect Caitlin and what she's done for the game and continues to do for the game yeah I think it's a really bad look and a lot of people lost respect for her and I think if she would have came out and just said sorry I was wrong then it would be fine but she's on Twitter doubling down tripling down on what she said she's calling like 
she said something like, my mentions are blowing up, like I got a headache, all this ignorance. You're literally the one that's ignorant. You went on a podcast and you just spit lies and try, like that's just, she's in the wrong and she won't admit it. And it's just honestly sad. Like, I hate women tearing down other women. We can also, we can, we can love Caitlin Clark and we can love Angel Reese at the same time. People can do that. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Angel <laughs> Reese. But, like, it's possible to not hate on one woman and, like, while you're trying to praise another. Like, both things can exist. And it's just disappointing that someone who is such a big figure in women's basketball, one, doesn't know the facts and obviously didn't take the time to learn them before she said anything and to just, like, blatant disrespect, hate. Like, I don't know. She gets hate because she is going to be one of the best women's basketball players to ever play the game. And obviously, if you get hated on, you're doing something right. But it just it sucks to see it from the people who, you know, kind of laid the foundation for women's basketball and um, paved the way for Caitlin. And, I mean, I think Caitlin has said nothing but good things about swoops and swoops and other WNBA players um, that have come before her. So that was just, that was disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the only, I think some people, um, may criticize Caitlin Clark not because of it's just because Caitlin Clark takes up so much media attention now that's Caitlin Clark's fault it's the media's fault giving her so much attention but she gets so much attention it does kind of detract from the other women women's basketball players out there right now who are doing just as well I mean Juju Watkins USC 51 points her team scored 67 mm-hmm. points she had 51 of them that is insane I think that should have gotten way more coverage than it did I think that was the same night as the Maryland game was there or was that the different Night before, th- yeah, Night I think night it was before? the day before. But okay, yeah, Juju Watkins is a dog. And who knows? She could be coming for that record. Yeah, depending I mean, on what Caitlin does uh-huh. here. Very true. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like, and even Caitlin Clark said, I think all the, these players respect each other. It's about it's about the media really trying. You have to give everyone their exposure and not right. just. I know Caitlin Clark's very marketable. I know Iowa's got is, is the better team than USC right now, but. There are other faces out there that deserve attention. I completely agree. And even when I do watch women, uh, Iowa women's basketball on the TV, I realize that literally all the announcers talk about the whole entire game is Caitlin Clark. Like, 30 seconds. They can't go 30 seconds without mentioning her name. I hate how her stat line is up on the screen the whole entire time. Like, that's not relevant at all. Does not need to happen. Everyone knows she's good. I, I don't like that part of it. And I I can completely see why people are upset about that and agree that other players... I mean, like, Georgia Amore for Virginia Tech, she's awesome. She makes crazy three-point shots like Caitlin does sometimes, too. I mean, there's, like you said, Juju Watkins. Um, crap, I'm forgetting her name. Cameron something from Stanford. But she's also good too, Cameron Brink. There's so many good players. Um, and Caitlin definitely does get most of the attention. And sometimes I think it is absolutely overboard. Like the stats on the screen the whole time doesn't need to happen. Um, when the Caitlin Cam thing came out, I think a lot of people 
well, a lot of old people on Facebook <laughs> were like, it's a team game. I don't want to watch this. It's on TikTok, so you didn't have to they're watch They're not going to be able to get on TikTok right. anyway. It's not, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know do. what it is. You're yeah. not just going to see Caitlin Clark on your screen. Like, that's not what happened. I People obviously don't read our articles, which you literally have to look at just the first line of an article sometimes, and you get your answers that you comment. But anyway. And um, I wrote that brief, too. Come on, people. Like, yeah, Brad it's working literally short notice. in the title. Says TikTok, what? like, <laughs> bro. But I mean, that's. But I think like that's more for the younger audiences and the girls who really love Caitlyn and maybe want to see like up close how she, how her offense is and what moves she does and stuff like that. Like I, I can see why they did that. Um, if they were to do it on TV, I think that's like crazy <laughs> and should not happen. But like, I don't know. But I mean, I've just I've never witnessed an Iowa athlete get this much attention ever like it's it's actually insane like everyone knows who she is everyone talks about her she I mean like like Natalie said besides Taylor Swift like Caitlin Clark is the girl right now mm-hmm. yeah. agreed yeah and um transitioning from Caitlin Clark who is a huge Chiefs fan her team is playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday Chiefs versus 49ers. There's one former Iowa player in the Super Bowl. Um, 49er tight end George Kittle. Um, yeah, what are your what are your guys' thoughts on this game coming up? I think it's uh, it's going to be there's a lot of star-studded uh, matchups on both sides of the ball to watch out for. Uh, San Francisco, top to bottom, has one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, if not the most talented. And of course, Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. And that guy's pretty good, as we all know. So it's going to be, I'm going to say, a lower scoring game. Uh, The defenses are both strong, but I expect Patrick Mahomes to make some plays. Yeah, I mean, the key, in my opinion, is going to be Travis Kelsey against those Niners linebackers like Fred Warner. Since, honestly, Travis Kelsey carried the offense against Baltimore. And they're going to look for him to do for him to do it again. They're not throwing the ball to Katarius Tony. It's going to be <laughs> Kelsey. If, if they're going, if Chiefs want to win this game, Kelsey needs to have at least ten receptions for hundred yards and a touchdown. They're not winning otherwise. Patrick Mahomes can make. He can he can find open receivers. He can get out of the pocket, make plays. But the receivers have to catch the ball. And so far, outside of that miraculous MVS catch against against the Ravens, that was a heartbreaker. I was pulling for the Ravens. So I can't that. believe he caught that. But Mahomes right now, obviously Mahomes has the edge of a Purdy. Purdy, as much as as much as frustrating as it is to see an Iowa State guy uh, do well, he for the fact that he manages to get his team in a hole like that, get him down twenty four seven, but lead them to that comeback, that was that was impressive to see. Um, but Patrick Mahomes still has the edge on him. Purdy can't. I think Purdy's got to avoid avoid turnovers because um, I think of the Forty ers They can't. The Chiefs will make him pay if the Niners if the Niners turn the ball over. So, predictions I really can't say right now. I don't know. Personally, I mean, I won't really be upset either way. Um, I think I'm more pulling for the 49ers, though, because I want Kittle to win a Super Bowl. I think he deserves it, and he's an awesome person on and off the field. Um, And also, Purdy, you know, I, I hated him at Iowa State. Still, like not the biggest fan of him simply because he went to Iowa State but I respect him a lot and think he's a good person and I can respect him 
a little bit more because he never beat Iowa. So, um, you know, Iowa State fans, of course, they're going to be all up in Iowa fans' grill if, you know, an Iowa State quarterback won a Super Bowl, whatever. But, hey, Iowa State quarterback won the Super Bowl but still never beat Iowa. So how good <laughs> are you really? Exactly. Very true. And But another... also, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Keep but going. if Purdy wins a ring, so does an Iowa player. So yep. Very true. Yeah. I'll, I'll be pulling for the Niners for sure. I mean, I know we got to respect the dynasty, but the Chiefs have seen enough for the last five Super Bowls they've been in. I don't know. Just put your money, though, people, any any betting people out there. <laughs> Travis Kelsey will not propose if they win. <laughs> take take the no. It's easy money. Just, just take it. <laughs> do you think that he will if they do? There's a betting line out there that they're not going to, he's not going to. I don't think so. I would he's, be shocked if that happens. He, he's gonna be too. Know. He's gonna be too hyped up. To he's gonna forget. Even if he has a plan, he'll forget. <laughs> he'll be so excited. He'll be calling people jabronis. <laughs> he'll be so hyped, and he'll just forget. This is a really difficult game to predict, honestly, because both rosters are just so loaded with talent, and it's hard to lean a certain way. Obviously, I'm pulling for George Kittle um, because he was a fan favorite and one of my personal favorite Hawkeyes. But at the end of the day, uh, it's Purdy versus Mahomes. And Mahomes has been here, what? This is his fourth time, correct? Fourth time. Mm -hmm. And Brock Purdy, uh, I hate to say it, but Brock Purdy has been known for not coming through in big games. Uh, he's been, you know, had a lot of throws that have been almost picked off. And even during his time at Iowa State, uh, he couldn't come through, especially against the Hawks, right? And I think Patrick's going to beat him. 27-24, uh, Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win, too. And like I said before, I won't be mad either way. I'm going for the 49ers more so. But, like, if the Chiefs win, that means I get to see Taylor Swift. So, like, that's fine, too. Um, don't give her a Super Bowl ring, though. You wouldn't give her a Super no, Bowl ring. Okay, no, okay, that's no, good. No, that's no. good. That's good. That's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> that's ridiculous. She's not on the staff or anything. You wouldn't give Brittany Mahomes a ring, so no. Taylor shouldn't get one either. Yeah, very true. Come on, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still logical. I still have some sense. Okay. But um, I think, uh, I think Chiefs are gonna win 31 to 21. Is that the same score as the last time they played each other? No, uh, it might have, it might have been thirty one to twenty. No, eh. I don't know. Honestly, they played each other four years ago. Niners, Chiefs. It might have been thirty one to twenty. Honestly, yeah, I think it was because the Niners were up right. ten. All right, well, uh, I didn't mean to score? do that. It was yeah, thirty one to twenty, Chiefs. Wow. Um, I think the NFL wants the Chiefs to win, so the Chiefs are gonna win. Um, uh, give me the Chiefs. Chiefs twenty seven, Niners twenty. But I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Maybe Caitlin will have the scoring record. Maybe not. Maybe the Chiefs will be super champ, super champs, Super Bowl champs. Maybe not. But yeah. Okay. Bye. See y'all. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> That's all the sports coverage we have for you with this episode. But because you can't talk about football without talking about Taylor Swift, Ken and I had an extra conversation about the track list for her new upcoming album. Here's a brief clip for the people in the middle of the Venn diagram of sports fans and Swifties. Joe Alwyn, <laughs> they, they like dated for like six years and like we never saw them out in public because Joe Alwyn didn't like the fact that she was famous 
didn't want to be seen with her. Like, she literally, especially in, like, the Reputation era, when she, like, went on, like, a two, three-year hiatus, literally no one ever saw her face, and she was, like, locked up in her house, and Joe was, like, embarrassed to be seen by her, which is, like, the exact opposite of Travis Kelsey. But basically, I think, like, the dad, like, but daddy, I love him. Like, I think maybe her parents were like, this man is bad for you, and she tried... She tried so hard to, like, and another song is, like, I can change him. I really can. Like, no, she can't change him. Also, fresh out of the slammer, like, she was locked up in her house. Now that she's away from him, she's finally out and free. And I think it's going to be awesome. I drag his ass. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm excited. I am so excited. What, what does Fortnite have to do with anything? <laughs> Fortnite doesn't have to do with that, anything. That I mean, one, I... As Evan know. said, it's not 2013. That one, I don't know, but I'm, I'm excited to hear the Post Malone feature. I think I want it to be like more like feeling Whitney vibes, like slower, mm. slower vibes, because both of their voices, I think, would be really good together. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, I don't want to say anything bad about Taylor Swift on the podcast because I think people are too <laughs> hateful of her as it, as it is like her being at the Chiefs. Like, it's fine. Her boyfriend's on the, on the team. Mm-hmm. She, she can be there. It's fine. But I just, I when I read it, I was like, I feel like she's trying to be Lana Del Rey. And it, the fact that one was called Fortnite and did feature Post Malone, it did feel like 2013 to me. But I'm excited that she's going to collab with Florence the Machine. I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear the songs, but it just does not seem like... Yeah, but Daddy, I love him, and who's also, afraid of little old me is really hard to read. First but of all. Daddy, I love him. That's also a reference to Ariel. Um, Ariel oh. said that in the movie. But Daddy, I love him, and it's because like she loved a boy or whatever, and that also refers to Taylor dressed up as Ariel for Halloween. Taylor dressed up as Ariel for Halloween a few years back, and Joe like did not go to the Halloween party with her. Didn't show up with her. Like there, she she has. There's a reason behind everything she does. She's been planning this for so long. Like, she is, she's insane in the best way possible. Like, there's a reason behind everything, and you can just keep digging more and more stuff, find reasons behind stuff. Like, this is a cute Little Mermaid outfit. Yeah, I didn't know she did that. But yeah, um, I think that concludes our Taylor Swift corner. But I do think that it's really cool that I feel like Taylor Swift and Caitlin Clark are like this close to meeting. I think that there's. Yeah. They're like the two biggest women in the world. The to collab me. Yeah. could be coming. The, co- the collab really could be coming. But, yeah. So I'll always defend Titan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press Box Banter. This episode was hosted by Kenna Roaring, Matt McGowan, and Brad Schultz, and produced by Natalie Dunlap. We will be in your feed next week with another episode.